Hello, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. This is Rachel Paling, and we are exploring in this particular podcast um, what is language coaching. And today, I am absolutely delighted. I am with Sue Thomas, who is a very, very experienced language professional. And has been in the industry for many, many years. So I'm curious today to hear from Sue about,、um, you know, what she thinks language coaching is and how it's developed. And firstly, Sue, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm delighted that you're here because you do have a lot of experience, and I'd love you just to explain to everybody your experience in in the language industry. <clears throat> Okay,、um, I've been an English teacher for about twenty-five years, and for most of that time, I've actually managed and、uh, owned a, a language school in Paris. So we teach、um, business professionals English because they need English for their jobs. Could be in any sector:、um, uh, tourism, finance.、Uh, um, Public sector, all sorts of places, but the thing that they all have in common is that they actually need English for their jobs.、Mm, and Sue, twenty-five years. What have you? <laughs> I know、yes. it is. What have you experienced as changes in the industry over those twenty-five years? I think perhaps for me the biggest change is that、um, uh, even though the French don't believe it. The general level, the basic level, so the level that people level in English that people leave school with, has actually gone up quite considerably in that time. Twenty-five、um, years ago, I and my colleagues were teaching people who were sometimes complete beginners. That's almost、uh, never the case now. Not not for adults who are working or adults who are looking for a job. So that's the biggest difference. So what we're finding now is people who've got sometimes quite good basics, but they don't know how to use it, or they have difficulty using it. Right, that's interesting. And I always say, and I think we've had this conversation before. I always say that nowadays we have eclectic levels. Nobody fits into the A one, A two, B one, B two box. We are all sort of with a little bit of mistakes from A two, or maybe elements of C one. I know that's the case with my French. What do you think about that? Yes, absolutely, and it depends what you're testing and what kind of test、uh, you do.、Uh, the French love tests, so we test before, during, after any kind of training. But、um, you know, we. It depends what we're testing. Are we testing can-do levels? Are, are we testing? You know, do you know the difference between the past simple and the present perfect? And even if they do, very often those tests、um, to see whether people are a certain level are written tests, and they're not、um, or have a very small oral part, and they're not in situ either. So somebody might be able to answer the telephone、um, in theory. But their can-do level is oh my goodness, panic, panic! No, I can't do that. Right, right, yes. <clears throat> so we we、um, we have to abide by、uh, some of the rules of our clients: testing,、um, paper testing, you know,、uh, TOEIC, and all the different kinds of tests. But、um, for me,、um, that only is part of the story. Right. 
Okay, interesting. Now, you know, this podcast is really about the phenomena of language coaching. And there are many, many people calling themselves language coaches nowadays. And, and really, it's about understanding what this is. So what is language coaching for you in general? In, in general, um, perhaps I can speak mainly about myself. When I trained as a language coach, I was already a very experienced teacher. And I think that I would say, I would have said that... Um, uh, when I had a new student in front of me, um, I would ask them lots of questions about um, their abilities and needs, their objectives, etc., etc. But training as a language coach made me see that uh, very differently. Um, asking questions um, about, um, okay, so you need English for your work, um, of course, finding out about uh, their level, the mechanical level, and the things that they need to do, the mastery. But the most important for a language coach is to talk to the person about uh, motivation. Help, not, not for me to understand their motivation, but to help the student understand their motivation. Because if they really know why they're doing this and what's important to them, then they're going to learn much better. So we have lots of questions like, well, you know, when you get that promotion, how are you going to feel? Right. And I would never have asked those questions before. Right, right. So I'm hearing, you know, and may we both confess here to our listeners that actually you did, you did um, train with me. Um, right at the beginning of when I first started the training back in 2013. Yes. 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 So you were, in fact, one of my first group of neurolanguage coaches in the world. Yes, and I can say it changed a lot for me. It changed a lot for me, um, the way I manage my team. So not only, you know, teaching English, um, not only coaching in English, but also the way uh, I uh, um, help, helped the people who work for me do certain things. Um, it changed a lot for me when I was with a client. I tell you one thing, uh, Rachel, that changed for me was I accepted silence. Wow. Um, you know, you ask a question and your coachee, uh, uh, well, he doesn't really know how to answer that. So what do we do as teachers? We jump in with the answer. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I felt much more comfortable uh, saying, okay, well, just take your time, think about that one. I'm not necessarily talking about um, a language question, but for example, um, um, what difference is this going to make? You know, how long do you see this uh, process uh, taking? Um, um, what milestones can we set? So sometimes those questions are not very obvious for our coaches, and we just need to give them time. And before I would sort of thought, like, well, you know, he's uncomfortable, he doesn't know what to say, so I'm going to answer, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him options, I'm going to tell him what I think he should be thinking. Um, and I don't do that anymore, and I think that's very important to this beginning of the process, and probably all the way through. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I, I hear this from so many of the people that do the course with me, and, and it is. I, I've come to the conclusion that it's out about, um, and I've used this word because it, it describes for me the state that we should be in as a coach. We should be in an equanimous state. So peaceful, calm, quiet, and giving them the time and space that they need to think. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm hearing that you really had not only, you know, impacts with your clients, but impacts in your life after doing the training. Yes. Yes. Right. And yes, what makes you it makes makes you think not only as a trainer, but about certain things in, in your own life. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. And what do you think about the panorama now in the industry, now that we are hearing language coaching much more? I don't just mean neuro language coaching. I mean language coaching in general. First of all, again, I can only speak for France, but um, what a lot of French people, whether they be clients or teachers, consider to be language coaching is just simply one-to-one. Um, and, um, that's interesting mm. because, you know, the considerate one-to-one, um, is equal touching. And I think it's, I think it's a real shame because, um, um, lots of people, uh, lots of clients and lots of, uh, students, because for me, client and student are not exactly the same thing, uh, because I run a school, yeah. but, um, they they can have a, a I mean we, we mustn't be uh, too snobby about this they can have a very good experience yes um, we can't say that those people who I think anyway we can't say that those people who are not trained language coaches do a really bad job but it's not the same job right. it's it's um, and I think that it's a little bit of an uphill struggle Right. <laughs> to be quite honest. Yes. Because there are some very good teachers out there who Absolutely. do a very good job. Absolutely. And we come from teaching. You know, Sue, both yes, you and yes, I, we exactly, come from that world. Exactly. We are from that, let's say, uh, experienced teacher pool. We were doing this for 20, uh, for me now, 33 years. And it, it, for me, it was always that question of, okay, how can we enhance the learning process even more? Absolutely. And because we're now getting, um, just in general, a group of people who've got a much better basic level in English, even though they always want to be corrected, um, and even though they're going to feel better if they speak English correctly, we're, we're seeing, I think, a lot more the problem of, I don't feel comfortable. Yes. And that's to do with not speaking your own language, having to um, negotiate, defend your position, present yourself, your company, um, be on some kind of, be in a meeting, conf call when you can't hear very well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we, we all know uh, those problems. And I think that what a coach, um, what a language coach can help with uh, very, very much is... Um, Okay, if I do a test, I've got a good level, Mm. but I don't feel comfortable. I panic. Um, And I think that um, um, I think it's really important 
for that person or it could be very good for that person to actually work with a language coach Absolutely. who's going to help the coachee uh, work that out. Absolutely. And, you know, there what, what we're both saying, I think, is the emotional blocks. Yes, yes. And also it's the, okay, this is where I am today. This is my level in English. This is the job I do. Okay, so what next? How am I going to go forward? Yes. How am I going to manage this? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's helping that person to uh, find it. And I think that's an obvious, obvious thing as well, helping that person to find their own um, solution. Absolutely. And sometimes it's quite interesting because it's not one we would ever have thought of. I know. I know. And I always say, you know, our best feedback comes from our clients. Yes. They know most of the time, even though they don't think that they know, they do. And it's just how can we tap into them and their yes. way forward and what and they it's need. Lis- and it's uh, listening to them. Um, I think that I listen well. And actually, it's something that I'm very interested in as uh, uh, an English teacher, uh, helping people to listen better. But um, when when we train as a coach, that's something that we really do uh, improve on and learn. Yes. We must listen, and we must listen in a different way um, because we don't have all the answers. Um, we have some of the answers, um, but and, and I think probably in France this is a little bit of a barrier because the 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 the, the system, the education system, is the teacher knows everything and tells the student, whether it's the pupil at school, at university, uh, um, uh, post-back, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You know, it's the teacher who transfers their knowledge. Yep. So, of course, sometimes they say to you, well, I don't know. Um, you're the teacher, not me. You know, yes. I don't know. Yeah, they're so used so, to it. Um, I think as coaches, we learn how to cope with that because it isn't, um, it isn't a good thing to just say, yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, if you... If you want to improve the skills of answering the telephone, this is what we need to do. Yes. Um, yeah. But but we probably, and that's what I would have done as a teacher, and put, um, now um, I would deal with that situation differently. Yes. And, you know, we, we're talking about language coaching, and obviously neuro-language coaching is bringing in the emotional blockages, how to coach around, and we're bringing in the neuroscience and, you know, how the brain functions, works, reacts. That's something that normal coaching doesn't really go deeply into unless it's brain-based coaching. Now, just just as a final point, Sue, you, you've very rightly said that you're passionate about this listening. And I know that you have the most amazing project, which actually helps people with their listening skills. What can you tell me about it? It is a French radio. Mm-hmm. But we speak in English, so it's a radio for French people. Fantastic. Um, and um, it's the French news. It's um, general, in, general interest subjects um, that you find on any radio, but that particularly interest the French. Um, and because during the last 20 years of uh, teaching, of course, we ask our students to listen to anything and everything. We've all got our, our favorites. 
Um, and very often they do for a little while or they don't at all. And one of the biggest problems is that the material, uh, the content, is not very interesting for them because right. it's not about France, it's not about things that they're interested in. And in actual fact, what we need to do when we're learning a language is um, we need to uh, look at how, I think, we need to look at how we learn our own language. Um, when you learned your own language, presumably English, um, how much stimulation did you get from baby to three, before, before books, before writing, before anything else? Hundreds of hours, presumably. That's right. That's right. And in fact, we do learn. Thousands of hours. That's right. Well, we le- we learn first. We listen, then we understand, then we speak, then we read and write. Exactly. Yes. And I think, and and, and we mustn't forget that then what we do in our own language is we don't actually need to hear every word. And I mean hear, not understand. We don't, e- we don't need to hear every word because our brain actually is, I don't know what percentage, 90%, 95% of the words, and we fill in the rest right. as adults. Yes. And this is something that we learn to do, and that's how we learn to listen and do, we, we learn to multitask, we learn to do three things at the same time. Um, because our brains don't actually need to hear every word. And I think that when we uh, are speaking <clears throat> or learning a new language, that's a big problem. We do need to hear every word. And I think that if our students, our coaches, could actually hear every word, then their ability to use the language would increase uh, considerably. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on that project. I've, I've listened in and it's absolutely fantastic. And I know that there are some of uh, the neuro language coaches are actually talking about the brain and, and learning. So absolutely, some great. Yes. We have a program at the moment called uh, Enhancing Learning and it is uh, neuro language coaches who are, um, uh, they have a, a, diff- a different piece every week. Fantastic. Can you just give us the, um, the, the address of that so that our listeners can tap in if they want okay, to? Okay, so it's, um, it's, a, it's a web radio and you can either get it on an app on your phone. It's called englishwaves.fr, mm-hmm. uh, all in small letters. And of course, uh, the website is www.englishwaves.fr. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Sue, I really want to thank you today for your time and your input. You know, when when I speak to mature professionals who have this experience and and seen it change over the past 25 years, I'm always grateful that you share that with us because it's important for us to understand where we come from, where we are and where we're going with the learning process. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, Sue, thank you very, very much. Well, thank you very much. Um, Looking forward to seeing you soon in Paris. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay Sue, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.